Welcome to Linux Link Radio by TimeSys, the podcast for embedded Linux developers. Hi, my name is Maciej Halash. I'm a product manager with TimeSys. Uh, today I have a special guest with me, Jeremiah Lott, who is a senior software engineer with TimeSys. Hello. Uh, today we would like to cover a uh, topic of uh, how TimeStorm, um, our Eclipse-based uh, IDE, helps customers uh, throughout the entire development cycle. Uh, with that, I would like to uh, start asking you some questions. Yes, let's go. Well, today we have, well, TimeStorm is, is quite popular amongst our, our customer base. Um, it, it works both on uh, Linux and Windows system, right? But um, the, uh, the functionality that it provides uh, spans across um, the entire um, development cycle that customers go through. Yeah, uh, um, definitely, uh, like, like a lot of Eclipse products, it has a application development aspect to it, you know, writing your C code, debugging and developing it. But it also has a number of features that are specific to kind of embedded Linux, uh, you know, root file system building, kernel development, uh, Linux-specific uh, profiling and testing. So it, it kind of can, can help you through all the different parts of, of developing your application and your platform. So do you see different patterns in how um, customers are using uh, TimeStorm tools so far? Um, for example, uh, do you see uh, system engineers using TimeStorm different um, from application engineers? Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say that, that we get kind of two big classes of people. There, there are definitely kind of one class that is just purely interested in application development. Um, you know, uh, and they, in general, are, are you know quite happy with with you know the way that they can edit their code, have it build, have a kind of one-click debug, automatic deployment of their application to their target platform. Um, and I say I'd say that that the, the the most common other aspect is I need to build a customized root file system um, because there's a a, a pretty nice tool there for doing a dependency analysis and just building your root file system in various formats. So, uh, does that particular step apply to both um, groups of users? Because there's clearly a difference in, in, in the cycle that they go through, right? Because uh, application developers, um, in most cases, they don't they don't um, do any kernel reconfiguration, kernel development. And uh, they try to avoid, I guess, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, they try to avoid um, spending time on um, customizing the root file system. They, uh, they, their preference is to get whatever they need from a, from a different person on their team, from, let's say, a system engineer that, that would prep the entire build environment or work environment for them. Um. Yeah, I think that probably uh, differs a little, obviously, from, from customer to customer, from company to company. Um, some places, the the uh, development of your application and the development of your root file system are not considered to be entirely separate. Uh, mm-hmm. But in many places, they do have kind of separate platform team and application teams. Um, but even in, in that case, there always has to be some push and pull, yeah. you know, uh, kind of iterative development uh, throughout it, and I, I think one of the nicer things about it too is that 
uh, since you have a single tool for it, everyone is kind of seeing seeing the same thing. So if one of your application guys needs to work on the root file system or analyze a problem with it, uh, you know they have that 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 same tool and, and they're able to build the root file systems, even if that's not kind of their primary use or function for, of the tool. Um, so this is actually a very interesting uh, point that you touched upon. That uh, well. PAMSTORM, uh, besides being an IDE, is also a uh, mean for collaboration between various teams. Um, and uh, can you can you talk a bit more about how PAMSTORM helps um, teams to, like collaborate on a on a project? Uh, sure. I I think probably the two biggest biggest things that it that it can do is that um, because it's based on Eclipse, there are Numerous plugins to Eclipse for, um, you know, for the, probably the, the primary one would be for your source control system, right? That that, that you can control that directly from Eclipse um, or you know Eclipse Timestorm. Um, but th- there are also you know any number of other collaborative plugins that that, that would be compatible with the system. Um, I think the other way that it kind of facilitates it was what we kind of already touched on. Which is that, you know, it, it's 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 got a wide enough focus that everyone mm-hmm. is kind of there in the same environment, and, and that can help you collaborate and not have a separate uh, separate system for for different teams, and and not have their you know the context switch between two different uh, mm-hmm. environments be so jarring that you can't really work comfortably in both at the same time. Mm-hmm. So. Um it also allows users that um, don't have or don't like working with with or under Linux um, to continue using uh, Windows as an operating system, I guess, for development, application development, and share project files with uh, other teammates that that have already moved to a, um, entirely Linux-based um, development. Yeah, yeah, de- definitely. I mean, um, although. You know, a lot of the t- TimeStorm itself is is a Java application. Mm-hmm. Eclipse is, and so it it runs equally well on Windows or Linux. The it, it's based on a series of kind of native tools that have been that are for the most part are native Linux tools, but that have been ported to Windows using the uh, Sigwin POSIX emulator. Mm-hmm. And so, but between that thing, uh, between those two factors of the, the user interface running in Java and the underlying tools being ported with the Sigwin emulator, that gives you a pretty close environment between the two to do your development in. Okay. So uh, let's let's actually step back for a second and let's talk about the, uh, the entire development cycle. Um, how TimeStorm helps engineers, well, right from the beginning. So let's, let's talk about uh, Linux kernel first. I guess that that would be a, a natural starting point for any project, right? Sure, and uh, yeah, t- TimeStorm does have some kind of Linux kernel specific features in it. Um, uh, you know, the, the first thing that comes to mind is kind of the Linux kernel project, and w- what we've done there is taken kind of uh, the standard Eclipse uh, support for. C, make files, um, all the flexibility. It's a very flexible system, kind of open system. Um, pre-configures it for standard 
uh, kernel make file targets that you might have, unpacks everything in the right location, sets up the environment variables so that it builds for the right architecture so that you can separate output and and source code and and just kind of sets up a C project but then lets you go from there to have whatever type of customizations uh, that, you can, that, that you'd like there. Um, the, one of the really nice things that it adds is an integrated kernel editor. Um, it still lets you use the standard menu config or if you're on uh, Linux, the uh, Qt-based xconfig. But it also has a, a user interface that's been written in Java that, that displays right in the IDE that contains that same information and actually a few enhancements over the, over the basic configuration utilities for searching and uh, getting kind of more interesting debugging information out of it when you're searching for a symbol. Um, so, so in terms of, of building and configuring your kernel, that, that, that's uh, where it is. And the, the other area for kernel development that uh, is, is fairly interesting is that for any kind of GDB-based kernel debugging, uh, Timestorm in general has a GDB integration and specifically has one that's tailored for kernel projects and kernel debugging um, to kind of provide the client with, with, the, with the server end being a separate uh, uh, something running on the target, whether it be a JTAG device or or some kind of software thing like a KGDB patch or something like that. Uh, so both GDB and all the other tools uh, that Timestorm uses for uh, Linux kernel customization and development they are part of cross-tool chains, correct? They are, yes. I mean, the, the, the GDB that you would be running would generally be um, part of the cross-tool chain. Um, so in, in some cases, uh, the, the JTAG devices themselves come with a custom version of GDB, which has been, been built particularly for that JTAG device, mm-hmm. and it can also work with those. So its interface is a, a generic GDB interface, nothing specific to the GDBs that come from a timesys distribution and uh, kind of provides a graphical wrapper around that and in the case of the kernel debugging provides a lot of kind of kernel specific customizations mm-hmm. um, yeah, for the most part you could set it up with the app you could actually use the application debugging to debug a kernel but it's kind of counterintuitive because mm-hmm. um, it has to map a lot of concepts like shared libraries to uh, kernel modules, kernel modules. and, and yeah. It's not always obvious, you know, there's kind of a baseline amount of stuff that has to be set up before it works correctly, and it's right. not always obvious what those what those steps need to be. So TimeStorm can manage uh, different types of tool chains, right? Um, and, well, TimeStorm provides um, dedicated cross-tool chain or sets of tool chains for different uh, Linux links that we, that we host. Um, but um, how TimeStorm manages that? Sure. So, um, TimeStorm contains actually a specific kind of mini toolchain management interface within itself that uh, lists all the paths to toolchains that it knows about. Um, and there are several places in TimeStorm when you need a toolchain where you can kind of just pick it from a dropdown of known toolchains. Mm-hmm. Um, the nice combination that we have there is that if you are using a uh, Linux distribution from TimeSys, you know, one of our reference distributions, and you've installed your toolchain that way. For the most part, it's able to just kind of detect that that's been installed and just add that to the list. Um, if, if it's a toolchain from another vendor or something that you've been kind of installed more directly from RPMs or something from us, then it allows you to manually specify that information. And then once you have them, those two toolchains are really 
kind of peers are on par with each other. Mm-hmm. It's just the detection that's specific to our uh, distribution. So it, it it's it, it's really nice uh, to kind of have that uh, tool chain support. A lot of the basic clips uh, stuff is not really centered around. Uh, this kind of non-x86 cross environment, and so the tool chains, the, the stuff, and a lot of the improvements in TimeStorm are, are adding cross-development style mm-hmm. features, mm-hmm. as opposed to where your host and target would both be a desktop machine. This is a very powerful feature, I would think, for um, customers that work with more than one architecture or more than one um, platform. Yet they they develop an application that runs runs on all of them. Uh, with that feature, with that particular feature uh, of TimeStorm, they can simply change uh, the tool chain that they cross-compile the application with and very quickly adopt that application for that different um, different target. And that probably applies also to a Linux kernel, probably not to the extent of uh, supporting device drivers because there there are probably differences in, in how the kernel is uh, configured and patched for a specific target, but there's still flexibility in, in, in which tool chains um, you have or how you can use them in your in your development um, sure. in a cycle. Yeah, I mean, this is jumping around, but on the, on the, kind of, on the kernel side, one of the uh, nice features that, that is on a combination of the 2.6 Linux kernel and the support that's been added in TimeStorm is that now uh, you can keep the output from your kernel separate from the pristine source. So mm-hmm. in, in those situations, you know, if you have a, a, a source that can be built for multiple architectures or that has device drivers for multiple boards in it, you can actually set up separate kernel projects that have different tool chains, different con- kernel configurations, which, which are all based on a single copy of the source that, that kind of keep their output in separate projects. So mm-hmm. since we kind of went down that road, I highlight a, yep. a feature that I particularly like about, about that system. Fantastic. So, um, we've talked so far about Linux kernel and what TimeStorm can do, uh, how TimeStorm can help um, customers developing the, uh, the Linux kernel debugging and, and then um, changing changing some of the configuration options. Um, the next step uh, would be uh, root file system design and... and um, we have customers that build small footprint root file systems. We have customers that have specific requirements for uh, a specific format of a root file system, um, one that can be deployed in flash or in, uh, in memory. How, how TimeStorm supports that part of a development cycle? Well, yeah, I think one of the kind of the most interesting things that it does is that it has kind of a more complicated uh, dependency analysis than, than, than it's kind of easy to get from the command line for the RPMs. Uh, uh, it's kind of a common complaint that the dependency web between all of the packages is kind of difficult to unravel, especially when it says something like, I need this particular library. And then, you know, people kind of scratch their heads and say, well, I have no idea what package that library comes from. Yeah. And so... Uh, What's really was really nice about it is that you can just import kind of all the packages that are available, and then when it does its dependency analysis, it not only searches the patches the packages that you've included and tells you I'm missing this, but it'll search the packages that you haven't included and tell you, oh, what you really wanted to do was inc- inc- probably include this package or one of these three packages, mm-hmm. um, and 
that that kind of really cuts down on the on the cycle of 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 chasing these things um and uh, kind of one of the nice features too is when you mention the small footprint is that you know, a lot of packages are designed to be kind of complete but what a lot of people actually need is just a piece of that package or you know they don't care if it's complete as long as it's small mm-hmm. right and, and there are several ways to, to get that kind of uh that kind of functionality from it but kind of one of the kind of quick and dirty ways is just to exclude files so you've got a list of files that are there and you can just say oh don't include any of these extra files or you know this has 10 libraries in it but i'm only going to use this one library so exclude these other nine and generally when you do that you kind of are throwing dependency analysis then analysis then out of the window because you install them all it says it's okay and then you go with rm and you take out all the libraries and you know, you go to actually run your application, and then it says, "Oh, I needed this library, which you deleted earlier in the process." So again, you get into this kind of long cycle chasing this, this uh, stuff. Um, so TimeStorm actually has a, a library dependency that that occurs on a per file basis as well. So it can look at the executables, look at their headers, say what libraries they're declaring that they need, and make sure that other packages have those libraries in them. Usually, that's done kind of on a per package basis when the package is built. But if you start splitting up the uh, individual packages, it'll do, redo the analysis and make sure that even with the excluded libraries that this is still a coherent set of libraries and executables that go together. So uh, does TimeStorm to some extent guarantee that um, the resulting root file system um, will work? Well, you can guarantee that it's going to work from a library perspective. So you're not going to start up a program and have it complain about a missing library, which is one mm-hmm. of the kind of most common yeah. uh, problems. Uh, there's a, there's always, you know, kind of those human dependencies that have been put in I, I, that, that are a little less obvious sometimes, mm-hmm. like, you know, the this configuration file was added by this package and is needed by that one, but neither package declared that it needed that file. And uh, there's no amount of kind of computer analysis that can tell you that yeah. that that I'm going to be opening that text file. But uh, but it it does kind of cut down on the most common kind of the most rote uh, analysis that you that you need to do that that can be very time consuming and kind of cuts the time down on those. Uh, what types of packages or, or, or files um, does the uh, TimeStorm's root file system designed to accept? Sure. So uh, uh, for the most part, it accepts an RPM-based uh, packaging. Um, the other kind of way that we've been including files in there is that you can just have another project in your Eclipse that just contains files on the file system. And it can also process that as a package and do the same library analysis, the same file-based analysis as it did on an RPM. So that's another way, you know, say usually uh, a particular library is provided by XRPM, but instead you're going to build your own version of that. But you don't want to go the full path of redoing a spec file, making a brand new RPM Mm -hmm. for it. You can rebuild it locally, put it in a project, either the project that builds it, or someone could just send you the binary, you could throw it into an empty project and then create a mapping that says, you know, treat this project as if it were a package and do that analysis across the... Uh, mm-hmm. So those are kind of the primary inputs to, to TimeStorm at the moment. So uh, f- from your description, it, it sounds like there are two usage patterns, really. Uh, one is, um, again, for system engineers who design the root file system for application developers, 
and then ap application developers who uh, want to deploy their application in a root file system. Yeah, and, and at that point, you can, you can you know, if you've been developing your application and your application is linking against libraries that might not end up in the platform, you can actually add your application as a package through this project m mechanism, and then it can, it can suggest the other packages that haven't been included in the platform, which can then be either input to the platform team, or mm -hmm. if you don't have separate teams, mm -hmm. you can adjust your root file system at that point. Yeah. So um, I, I've worked personally with a number of uh, larger customers of ours and uh, had uh, some experience with um, how people design root file system. Um, I heard from our customers that TimeStorm um, saves a lot of time, at least in the, well in this particular area. Um, in the root file system um, definition and, and, and compilation, and um, what is what is your take on that? I mean, um, do you think that h how helpful that part of TimeStorm is? I actually think that this is one of the kind of key areas where where it's adding value to what people are doing. It, it's uh, it's it, it's a very specific kind of job that needs to be done, mm -hmm. and there aren't actually a lot of tools out there that are doing that for uh, Linux-based systems. So from my perspective, that's something that's really kind of cool or good about yeah. about this part of TimeStorm. Uh, Especially embedded systems, I guess, because um, that's where you have very, very strict constraints. Sure. Yes. So, so there are lots of systems out there uh, that are package managers for your desktop machine, where you know it will do some basic analysis. You can just say, "I want to install," uh, you know, "I want to install this graphical package on my, you know, OpenOffice or something on my desktop," mm -hmm. and it'll figure out what libraries and everything you need, right? Um, but at the same time, the, the the usage pattern that they have versus the usage pattern of an embedded system where, one, you're going to be splitting these packages up and maybe not installing an entire package. And just, just the fact that, that, for the most part, those don't work very well in kind of this cross-environment where right. you've got a powerful PC and it's doing all the actual processing, but the root file system is just a subdirectory. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of these tools don't really work very well. You know, even though they could do the analysis part, they can't actually build a root file system in that way. Right. Um, Ready for deployment. To right. Some extent. Right. Um, you know, uh, and I think that, you know the the other thing, obviously, that it adds, which we, you touched on a little bit, is not just what the inputs to it are and how the analysis is, but that it then it has some direct outputs that are kind of more useful in an embedded uh, system. You know, the fact that it can essentially build a root file system image as a single file that's you know formatted JFFS2 or CRAMFS, uh, EXT2 for like a RAM disk and an old style in NRD. And uh, uh, I think one of, one of the nice things about it, too, is that usually you'd have to kind of be root, use a loopback device to do a lot of this stuff, or there are some specialized tools out there for each one of these file systems that kind of accept different inputs for how to do the things that are root, create device nodes, change the ownership of files to root, you know, make your SUID root mm -hmm. mount. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, but we, TimeStorm kind of provides the interface that, uh, kind of a standard interface to all of those various tools, at least the ones that it supports, uh, user spa space tools that are kind of purely user stuff, so you don't necessarily have to be root all the time when you're doing your root root uh, file system 
development. And you don't have to worry about your root file system that's supposed to be on your embedded board infecting your uh, host system by mistake since you're running as root and suddenly you've got ARM binaries all through lib and nothing's running. And, yeah, that's that has happened to happened many to people. Happened to me as well in the past. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so we've spent uh, some time now talking about root file system um, and uh, Linux kernel development. Application development, I guess, is to some extent similar to um, the kernel-level development, but uh, there are some subtle dif- differences, right? Yeah, I mean, the the there's kind of two standard modes for doing C application that 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 is there, and I think the the one is very similar to the kernel development, which is you've got kind of a package. It's already got a make file. A, a developer is sitting down and written a complex make file with dependency analysis between C files in this case. And all you really need to do is call make, right? Mm-hmm. And then you need you need a graphical environment for editing make files, C files, but you're going to manage kind of all the complexity yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And in many cases, this job has already been done for an application. So uh, in, in, in that particular case, it's very similar to... The kernel, the kernel system, which is essentially this, has the same kind of system in place. Uh, the other way that it works for application development is essentially a makefile generation system where you just create the C files and say you want to combine all these C files into an executable. And it takes care of, you know, header dependencies and which order things should be built in and then, then eventually uh, linking them all into an executable or a library and essentially generates a make file for you. So you just pick the tool chain, you, you create your C code, say what kind of output you want, and it generates a make file that does that by you know, reading the C files with GCC and putting out uh, dependency and information. And the generated make, file, make files, um, they can be just taken with the C files, with the project for... like I'm thinking right now about um, engineers that don't use IDE and how they collaborate with engineers that use TimeStorm in the light of uh, the generated make files, whether that can be just simply taken from the uh, TimeStorm project and executed uh, from the command line. Yeah, it it definitely can be. I mean, it just generates a standard make, GNU make, make file as its its output. So TimeStorm has a piece in it that analyzes the C files structure and puts out this make file. But once that happens... You, all it needs to do to actually build the project is call make. So you can you can transfer that make file to centralized systems that don't need to have you know the full IDE on them to to regenerate it. You just needs a standard Linux system or SIGWIN system to, mm-hmm. to 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 do that make. And it also allows people you know you can you can tar up your project and send it to someone who doesn't have. TimeStorm installed and just tell them, yeah, to build it, just yeah. run make here or, you know, right. follow the instructions in this readme. It doesn't have to be, you know, every single person has to use this yeah. graphical environment in order to build that. And a lot of large companies, at least, they use the, the, the source code versioning uh, control subsystem of some sort. Um, and that, that, is, that, that allows people within the company to share access to the same source code and they have different uh, requirements in front of them, they use different processes. So having that, that flexibility of one team being able to generate the entire project and then share that with another um, team within the same organization through source code versioning control system, um, code that can be um, recompiled, rebuilt with TimeStorm or without, I would think is a very powerful feature. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, we, we talked, l- let's move on to the next stage in a development cycle, which is the, the uh, verifying the quality of uh, overall solution. Um, can you talk a bit how, about how uh, Tamstorm um, helps out in that area? Yeah, the biggest kind of, uh, uh, I guess, testing feature that Timestorm has would be its ability to run, uh, test the, the LTP and kind of POSIX compliance tests that Timesys uses to verify their Linux distributions on a distribution that, that is created by a customer or to re-verify changes that have been made to a, a distribution. Um, and it has the same kind of, you know, Set up, set up where your target is, uh, boot it up, and then just you know use SSH or or Telnet and FTP in order to automatically build, transfer these tests, run them, and then pro- provide a graphical result, you know, charts and and kind of numerical analysis mm-hmm. of of what's what the result of the test is. So, what is the level of um Required human interaction with those tests when when you, you use them through um, the TimeStorm system. So there are some tests that we have kind of that come from the LTP suite that are essentially just text files with instructions in them, but uh, it allows you to kind of easy, it allows you to 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 tell it okay stop on those tests and I'll run, follow the instructions and enter a result so that you can kind of get a unified result for your manual and your automatic tests if you want to, but there's also kind of an easy way to just say, only run the ones that don't take any, uh, you know, user interaction, and for those ones, you just click the button and let it go, you know, mm-hmm. uh, don't, don't, uh, don't power cycle yeah. your target and you should be okay. So percentage-wise, um, how many of those tests uh, are automated or and how many of them require human interaction? It's a pretty small number that have the human interaction. I'm going to say it's probably, you know, only eight, maybe ten out of seven or eight hundred in the LTP, and then the other test suites don't have any manual tests, and there are several hundred tests each. So. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's that's a nice feature again mm-hmm. because uh, if you're a developer that um, has to verify the quality of the overall solution, and uh, you you would most likely spend, um, well. I would think few days at least of your of your work time trying to execute those tests by hand or uh, managing the, the the execution cycle. Uh, and with TimeStorm, it sounds like um, that part is already taken care of, um, as as TimeStorm has this automation built in. Um, well, I'm looking here at um, a person that is managing our time, and he's already waving hands that we're towards the end of our time here today. We 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 have covered uh, a lot of topics today. We haven't gone through entire um, development cycle. There's there's another area where TimeStorm can help, which is which is probably what profiling. Profiling, and we only kind of touched on debugging. And we just touched on debugging. Yeah. Uh, so perhaps that that will be a, an opportunity for us to meet again <laughs> <laughs> and use a bit more of your time, Jeremiah. So, uh, but. Today, thank you very much for your time and for the insight that you provided on our tools. Um, if uh, our listeners, if you have any questions uh, for Jeremiah um, or any of us here at Timesys, uh, please do not hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, you can send us email at podcast uh, at timesys.com. 
uh, and please visit our website tamsis.com and uh, lldn.tamsis.com um, for more information on upcoming uh, podcasts uh, thank you very much again yeah it was my pleasure this podcast was brought to you by Timesys. Check out our new site to get free code, discuss, and learn about embedded Linux development. Go to timesys.com today.